0: Hi, I'm Russ Camarda, an independent filmmaker and actor in New York and in between the chances I get to do my creative projects, I love to sit down and talk with other artists to see how it is they do what they do, how they take art and use their craft to reveal truth to an audience. So in this series of conversations, you'll meet some people you may recognize, some people you won't recognize, but they're all independent artists and we'll get in depth in a long form conversation to see how it is they do what they do. Welcome to Art Craft Truth. This time on Art Craft Truth, actor Matt Delapina from stage, screen, film, television, independent projects of his own. He's an actor, a writer, producer. He's the definition of a working artist. And in this conversation, he reminds us that no matter how long you've been doing it, always keep the fascination and wonder for the work. I hope you enjoy it, actor Matt Delapina. Hey.
1: Hey, Russ, how
0: are you? What's up, man? How you doing? Good, good. Nice good. to see you. This is awesome. Thanks for doing this. This is so cool. First of all, how how you holding up with the is the are things opening up for you yet?
1: Yeah, are you um are you in New York also? I'm on, are you New- I'm
0: on Long Island, so uh, but We are you on
1: Long Island. Yeah. yeah. So probably similar tri-state area situation. Uh yeah, you know, it's uh we got really lucky. With um with school this year for my son because he's a four year old so he's still in the pre K level so he's been able to go every day okay They're in masks of course but um restoring that and restoring um production thing up and running since about September you know okay. for for myself and my wife which has been great so I but I I feel it like you know but yes there's there's things are inching back but I feel like um. You know, it's good. It's like everything's functional now on some level, but there's very little joy in, in life. You know, <laughs> right. it works. It all works, but it doesn't. Uh, you know, it's we're still not at the, the joyful level. Of yeah. things, you know? Well,
0: I think we're I think we're probably right around the corner, you know. I yeah. Mean, I mean, yes. we're right on the, the outer edge of uh, getting things back to, to human yeah. quality. Yeah. Um, and like we said, uh, you you come to me courtesy of your lovely and super talented wife, uh, Mackenzie. Yep. She was awesome. She 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 got to talk about um, all kinds of great stuff. And and you guys are similar. You're the classic working actors. I mean, uh, from from theater to the guest spots on on all the episodics and, and television to independent film, and we're gonna touch on all that stuff. So um, so let's let's talk about like right from your beginning. Um, yeah always wanted to be an yeah. actor or what
1: yeah well uh, I mean the first dream was to be a baseball player uh, I'm from the Bronx originally so uh, are you from Long Island originally or I am yes no, no, yeah
0: so we're probably uh, on we're probably on two sides of that rivalry. thats
1: yeah I'm um, assuming yeah, right <laughs> uh, I was a Yankee fan <laughs> uh, so um but yeah that was the boyhood dream uh, I played up through um through high school but th- but then in high school is when things kind of like you know been diagrammed for me a little bit I was um. You know, I had, like, an acting bug since I was a kid. It was sort of had a did some school plays. But in high school is when I was kind of pursuing both sort of, like, fully. Like, right. basically, fall was when I would um, – I went to high school here in Manhattan. Uh, and um, fall was when I would, like, audition for the plays and, like, usually do a musical or whatever. And then springtime would be, you know, start – training and then doing the, the games around the city for the baseball team so basically i was able to like kind of this two-pronged approach to my dreams in high school um and then um had uh, sort of well basically had a spot to play at a kind of to play baseball in college at a, at a kind of like a nice you know kind of fancy liberal arts school in upstate new york but i didn't really get as much like kind of financial help as i thought i would get right, frankly right, right. Uh, it was a pricey school so i opted for the state school option. I went to SUNY Binghamton in upstate New York. Yeah, which uh, in retrospect was like, really uh, a pivotal decision as far as like the freedom I had down the line as an actor. And I think that's something that could be explored later. You know, I, you know, because it was state subsidized. So it was like, right. And I, 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 um, I graduated a little bit early because it was sort of I was able to like kind of ramp some credits in the intervening semesters. And some at, like, Manhattan College in the city and the winter session. But, yeah, but in college, though, um, I wasn't good enough to play at the state university level, I think. Those are bigger schools, probably. I didn't even really kind of pursue it at that what, point. What, I had like a
0: weird what, what were you playing? I was a catcher. Oh, okay.
1: And in the year before I went to college, I, I got, like, this weird, like, stress fracture in, like, my lower vertebrae mm. from the kind of up-and-down crouching right, you do. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it just kind of... The realistic, uh, I don't know, just the physical realistic nature of it all kind of made that dream, you know, kind of backburnered it. Right. But I still was very much in, in devoted into acting. I loved performing, mostly the big intoxication of like being in front of an audience. You know, yeah. that was that let, was what it was. Let me for ask me. you this
0: question: um, yeah. What were the kinds of things that they were teaching you there in that state school kind of environment? What were, what were the kind of acting craft they were? steering you towards?
1: We had a great, and I, a pivotal teacher, uh, basically the Meisner technique was okay. the big, um, at least with the, the sort of main, the head of the department at that point, Tom Kremer, a uh, gentleman, wonderful teacher, and he was very much about just realistic listening on stage, uh, being the, the way in to truth yeah. at, at every level. And it's like I understood the idea of it, and I practiced it, but I don't think I executed it very well at <laughs> all until you know 20 years later right. well that was one of the meisner things is that it takes you 20 years to right, really be right, 10 000
0: hours of uh 10,000
1: hours right. similar kind of um yeah philosophy but that was very much that they were sort of generally rooted in that that kind of meisner approach right you know? and,
0: and you got up on your feet a lot i would imagine you got to yeah. get up and actually do stuff productions and things what kind of what kind of stuff did you get to do yeah
1: but, we did i mean i was like many people my way in was through musicals you know okay. so i did like um what do we do? We did assassins. We did oh, cool. That's um, cool. Uh, yeah, the sonheim musical. We did, um, but then we also did Greeks. Like we did, like the big fun of exciting thing I did was like there was this famous Greek actress who came in to do um, to do Electra, uh-huh. and I got cast opposite her as her brother uh, Orestes. So that was kind of, and it was not. It was not just at the school. It was at the kind of like performing arts center right. situated at the school. So it was a little a little more like kind of fancy thing to it. So that was a moment of, um, oh, wow, like I'm on stage in college, but I'm acting across all my scenes are with this professional, you know, star of Greece, (laughs) you know. uh, And on on that level, that was kind of a confidence booster, you know. And like, so I was lucky to get cast in a lot of parts there on the kind of main stage level, but also I really dug into and really enjoyed the kind of community theater stuff you can do at college, you know. Sure,
0: Now, did you, you, uh, I mean, first of all, two dreams, you know, million dollar shot in the bucket dreams. I mean, so what was, what was the, what was mom and dad and family and how was that? Like, was everybody, was it always supportive of that kind of stuff or? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Ultimately. Yes, for sure. Um, my dad, I think 100% the whole time. Absolutely. Because um, I think my, my sense is he'll allude in passing to... Like, he went to Hunter College in the city, and he, he like, did a community version of a play there, like The Odd Couple. Uh-huh. He, like, doesn't really talk about it, but it comes up. <laughs> because like, he was, a, he was a, an accountant and then a math teacher, right. but, like, I think he had the, the bug. A secret
0: so, actor. Yeah, a secret <laughs> actor, yeah.
1: And he was always... Um, he was always very supportive and, you know, just follow your dreams kind of guy. And my, as was my mom. I think at the same time, of course, she wanted me to, you know, to be able to take care of myself right. the sooner rather than later and right. law school options or, you know. And
0: what were you thinking at that time? I mean, was it like, because this is kind of a key for particularly guys like you who, I mean, are working and that you, this is your living. You're making it uh, your living. Um did you have that single-minded focus even as a as a young man? Like, there's no fallback here, or I'm just this is it. I'm this is the road I'm on. Or like, did that waver? Yeah. Did you doubt it? Like, how did those things work for you?
1: I had a single-minded focus. Yeah, I I really think it was. I think it was just because I I guess you get enough even at the age of like say twenty twenty one when you're leaving college, you get enough kind of like yeses. Mm. You know they're at the college level but if you get cast half a dozen times in something if right. you if you seem to believe the praise you get after the show which i've learned is mostly bs anyway but i don't know at that Absolutely. point you're willing to believe it right. although you know um i think like the small kind of like nudges and yeses you get right. at least for so. me it was enough based on just a gut feeling i had it was also just a gut feeling of like when i was on stage and, and performing i felt like this was my like kind of most confident version of myself and like i liked being that you right, know what i mean right. i liked feeling that that kind of exalted sense of oneself and right. i think that's where i got it and so i was like well if i feel this internal thing and it also i keep getting the nudge that like i'm, I'm doing something good i'm doing something like that's worth watching okay right. it was enough to give me kind of like um to bolster me you know,
0: all right.
1: and then we came out of college, and then you know, I didn't. It was a great school, and a lot of opportunities were given me, but it was not like a BFA. Then there's like a showcase, and then there's like, right. uh, you know, all your professors are also like working on TV or in New York right. stage. It wasn't. It wasn't like that. Yeah, you know, so, so was, there was a
0: lot of wasn't Yale. You know, or it of wasn't. Of yeah, training. it
1: wasn't Yale or you know one of these great institutions. It was. um You kind of just like you know were shot, basically left. <laughs> you know, we more like thrown out of a van on the side of a road, and be like, figure it out, you know? And okay. everybody experiences that wh- wherever they went. Yeah. But um, there was very little kind of connected tissue yeah. between that uh, and like open up backstage and then like showing up at equity open calls at five in the morning outside right. the equity. Field, you know? I
0: like your description because that's uh, that's pretty much it being thrown out of a van <laughs> at about yeah. 65, 70 miles an hour. And good luck. Yeah. Good luck, New York. Yeah. Um, they don't, yeah. So uh, so was it um, all right. So that, and again, that fits with a lot of things I've heard about uh, mm. when artists I talk to is, is there's that just nugget of encouragement, that builds on the next nugget of encouragement and then it's like okay I can hit this ball I belong here and that's what keeps you in the game and and you you say I I know I can do this so was it right out of college was it were you thinking theater were you thinking I don't care what it is were you thinking film like what did you want to be, be and do I was thinking uh yeah I was thinking theater I didn't you know I was thinking theater
1: I feel like I didn't really get my mind set on like really pursuing a career in television and film until like i was 30 because until then the thought of like just becoming a professional actor and earning money to act was a miracle in and of itself i I didn't worry about i need to make money money you know like right now i just was like if i'm some if someone's going to give me a check to like to do a play or rehearse for a week like that feels major you know that feels like i'm getting away with something (laughs) (laughs) you know so that was uh so yeah, it was it really was theater, and I, I just I loved it because I, mean, I loved doing it. Um,
0: and did you do the what everybody did? The backstage, open a paper, and just go to the calls and all that stuff. Or yeah,
1: yes, I did. You know, at that point, uh, you know, online castings were not really a thing. You know, I think there was a it was a lot of just yeah, like getting the backstage magazine and like going through and circling wow. and then showing up. And I at the, at the early stages, I was before i was equity and even when i was uh equity i would yeah and you gotta like get your fi- find your place in line i learned the best technique was like to show up really early luckily i was always a morning person so i could like get up at the crack to go to the equity building and wait outside and like get a you know a donut and a coffee from a stand, like a deli stand and then just sit with the daily news for like two hours before they open the doors wow. But like World Series tickets, if you're like the third, the very opposite of World Series tickets, it's like a trip <laughs> to hell, basically. But like you're the fourth person online at that when they open the doors, you'll, you know, on the honor system, go forth you'll get to pick what time you can audition. Okay. So oftentimes I would sign up, go to my like, then like, uh shift at the restaurant you know or back home to take a nap and then show up at like two or three o'clock in the afternoon to actually audition
0: so you that was see i mean you're literally the the cliche of all of us is the working in the restaurant yeah Yeah. oh yeah pounding the pavement did you um did you do Cause you probably this is probably we're talking like what the uh, for you maybe late nineties early two thousands kind of a thing is early two thousands okay. yeah all right so yeah. so for you was um, did you do the one on ones and actors connections and all that stuff too
1: yeah I found my way to that um, yeah maybe like four or five years later I found my way to those mm. I was able to first get my first kind of representation through one of those
0: oh really okay uh, which one yeah
1: a commercial agent but it was like she really was really us. Uh, small, I think it was like a part-time thing, and which, she which, uh,
0: which, uh, showcase service which, got you that it was, um,
1: it was an actress connection. It was one on one on, it one? Was one, on one, I yeah. think. Yeah. Those, those are all, yeah.
0: those are all pretty good. So yeah.
1: Yeah. They, um, and she was like non-equity commercial kind of thing, but, um, but I got a couple through her and it was just another, yeah, these like nuggets of encouragement that helped me Right. at least get a little bit of footage back. But again, I was still so headstrong to like become like a theater, mm-hmm. um, a theater actor, you right. know, because so, that's all I knew. I never knew the only actors I knew were ones who did like regional theater near my college or, um, you know, fellows I was like auditioning with. You so know? what
0: was the, what was, what was the, what's the first one you get? And is it the theater, uh, the first gig uh-huh. you get where you're like, okay, um, I got, yeah. a, I got a show. Uh, I, I got a job, however long it's going to be. But I'm an a- I'm an actor, and don't, they're paying me for this. What, what was that? Yeah,
1: the first like paying. So There were two two levels of this. The first like paying job I got um, was like a, maybe like six months after college. I did like um, it was called Dandelion Productions, and they basically did um, like tours of children's theater okay. shows. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a few companies like that, probably still exist. There were several at the time where like a sort of a not even a bus and truck tour is just a van tour <laughs> where you and the set right. collapsed is in a trail no i guess it is a van and truck a van and trailer tour <laughs>
0: right.
1: you, ba- you basically um and the it was it was great i mean it was like six weeks going down the south and into the midwest wow. we did something like a, basically a children's theater adaptation of the nutcracker okay i was said nutcracker <laughs> But you, um i also then had to like you know again you wake up at the crack of dawn right drive to the um school set build the set right. you know it's sort of like this kind of collapsible foam board
0: right
1: do a sound check get dressed do the show you know for kids who aren't paying attention <laughs> like the set fold it up put it in the van go to you know dayton ohio which is seven hours away right you know I a, too beer, be hung over the next morning i did a we were-
0: similar thing it wasn't for kids who wouldn't pay attention but i did the, the, that back in the 90s that murder mystery dinner theater stuff oh sure yeah so so basically drunk people who don't give a shit what you're doing so you know yeah and exactly. you go get there exactly. and i produced it and we built everything and costumes and yeah. then go get drunk at the bar after the show
1: exactly <laughs> Yeah, and the weird thing was like we were get we would get paid with cash. Like every week, somebody would go to the ATM and take out <laughs> several thousand dollars, and then like dole it out to all the actors. That's awesome. Walk away with like three hundred dollars cash at the end of the week, but it was that was actual it's, cash for for said services acting. So it was you know
0: it's a carnival, it cool. it's the carnival life. It's like in here, here's a. Bowl it was of, very carnival. You get a bowl of soup, and everybody gets a piece of bread. All right, keep acting.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was very. <laughs> Very carny lifestyle. So what? Um,
0: so then, then, what was the the gig gig? You know where you?
1: Yeah. So so that was like the first um, job job, and then the next kind of like gig that was like here I am in New York City. Like I'm an actor on some visible level. Was a uh, there's a theater company called the Civilians that um, has been around now. Oh my God, it's like probably almost 20 years at mm. this point. Um, founded by Steve Kossin and Michael Friedman, a uh, wonderful composer who's passed uh, about four years ago now, unfortunately, but they did they were a um, off Broadway company that adapted real life interviews about a subject and synthesized them into scenes and monologues and music uh, basically these this sort of the composer Michael Friedman would kind of synthesize interviews into song too. Wow so uh, i had you know i could sing okay and um act and do enough character acting we had to play each of us had to play like 6 to 10 characters Oh, wow. cool. Just to sing. so it was a real kind of um kaleidoscope of of um of work that they've done so but they they, they did this play called i am nobody's lunch that was at Nineties Fifty 59th street theater in 2006 in the winter mm. and um and it was um and then we part of it was like going to um Sundance lab to work on it and then there was a tour component like the wow, Huntington cool after the fact so it was a cool like oh whoa I just booked like a few months of work and, on a visible level and was yeah. this w-
0: were these interviews like like regular people type deals like you yeah know, yeah did... exactly oh, wow cool
1: yeah. yeah I mean they've done anything from they recently we did a project uh maybe 10 years after that about the Atlantic Yards project and how they were putting in the Barclays Center so much of a few months earlier was spent interviewing um, people who lived there that were getting displaced or bought out of their apartments so that uh-huh. they could got this few few streets to put in this um, Atlantic Yards project. And so he, and
0: did he sort of like thread a story through it, like a through line through it, or was it just sort of these vignettes? Or like how did that sounds so fascinating to yeah. me?
1: Um, ultimately, because you choose a theme, that kind of way has a way of focusing the interviews. Right, right, um, right. But it was very much you know uh, I guess I it is it's like vignettes strung together with the kind of coherent theme, right. I guess is the best way to put it but um yeah, so that was so that was a really fun, kind of like, I guess New York debut in yeah. essence, you know, where I feel like i I, I had a good I, I had gotten a better uh, agent by that point, um like a legitimate agent who like would send me out on like you know theater and TV stuff right. I was in, you know, it got reviewed in the New York Times. It got a really good re- review there. Nice. Um, yeah, and it was like a kind of company that was on the move. So it was sort of a, you're a New York theater actor, right. you know, introduction. You know, and from then on, I mean, that, w- that was really, that kind of set me off. Um, and while I did regional theater throughout after that, for the next like 10 years, I was really a theater rat in the city and um, and cool. around the country.
0: So let me ask you this, because we're going to get to this eventually, during all this, as being an actor are you writing as well when did that? Yeah. Sk- is is this always been part of your thing and what, what kind Not of
1: always okay. no so as many can relate i mean despite the fact that like i feel like i've been lucky enough to be generally busy most of my career there's always gaps you know there's always gaps of a few months to a year within there right. um and in those gaps you know i was it, you get it's dark it's depressing and I, I struggled with that. I struggled with feeling y- needed, feeling useful. Like, what am I building toward? If like at the end of a few gigs in a row, I'm just still waiting for the phone to ring. That was,
0: right.
1: you know, it's like a diff, I mean, yeah. So just coping with rejection right. and and people think like, oh, what 20 years into your career, like it must be a lot easier. Like it's it's just a sort of, I don't know if it gets easier. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you just, I talk about this with friends sometimes, you, but, um, you build up a callus to it. I think. You're, you're,
1: yeah, you do. But in the beginning, it was still so new to like wait, just to have these gaps of work where I would still be, you know, making money at the restaurant on the side. But um, so it was depressing. So basically, <laughs> that's the short of it. And within that, I found that one way to make my days feel useful or weeks would be to just kind of carve out just a little bit of my own writing and that 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 shaped itself from like a like writing songs on guitar to mm. slowly shaping some scenes and also ultimately a solo show the first like finished piece of writing that's more than a few minutes I ever did was a was a one-man show oh, I cool. did wow so that was kind of the work of about off and on of about a year or two um, so that started yeah but but the writing the writing part of me is always something I I admire writers, I think, the most of any artist, you know. But I never felt like I had the discipline and the kind of, just frankly, I didn't think I was smart enough or had the creativity enough to, like, put pen to paper in a, a diligent way. But once I realized I could finish something, you know, <laughs> whether it's a song or, like, a, even just a one-man sh- indulgent show, right. that gave me enough confidence to uh, to keep going. So, like, the solo show, I was lucky enough to get, it was got programmed at Ars Nova, um, part of their... Uh, like new artist festival every year
0: and um yeah like that so so for that for that particular thing uh, are you are you playing a character or are you creating something that's sort of built around you or that's an interesting way to write you're writing for yourself but are are you actually applying your acting craft to you to your yes. character view. Yes.
1: Very much. I feel like I, in everything I write, there's, in I feel like most of everything I write, it is a way to give me, or a, a kind of character I would play, an opportunity to act. So the solo show was generally like my narrative, like me, kind of as I am dialoguing with you now, but there were characters throughout Peppered Through, oftentimes my family, <laughs> or people from my past, or schoolmates, you know. Right. But I was kind of the, you know, the, the, centrifugal force, you
0: right. know? And, yeah. when, and, so, and when you're doing that, and when you're playing it, because you got to get it up on its feet and actually do it yeah. finally, yeah. Um, are you, because it's an interesting, It's I don't talk to too many people who've done this, are you playing a character? I mean, are you, there are other characters in it, but when you're, like, are you, is it written out, and are you memorizing it like a script? Is there sort just of, sort of a skeleton structure that you're filling in because you know it so well? Like, how do you,
1: it's written out, yeah, it's it's absolutely written out like a script. The framework was that it was basically me, a version of me going back to my high school to give a kind of commencement address. <laughs> but I I myself spend the commencement address sort of like going off topic and off tangent and wondering what I've ever done to deserve to <laughs> deliver a commencement address. So it's it's sort of a neurotic commencement address. Right, is the best perfect. way to frame it, you know? Um, so I'm it's, but it was written out uh yes completely okay. like uh specifically one kind of cool aspect because i've seen solo shows like um john leguizamo mm, or um right. Sun, son where they are fully they're just going from character to character to character and and transforming in front of you on stage and it's it's miraculous it's but it's it's I didn't feel like at that point in my life I could do that kind of thing justice, frankly. Mm. I don't know if it was just fear or my just acknowledgement of my real limits maybe at mm. that point. So what I did was every time there was a kind of a character I had filmed that version of me, like say it's like my dad, right? So I'm like, and then there like was a conversation with my dad and then like behind me on this big projection screen would be me in like this tweed jacket and glasses <laughs> being my dad and I'm dialoguing that's great. with the video. And there's space in the video so that there's room for me to talk live with a recording. That's great. So it was kind of cool. Like, and I wanted to make it kind of a multimedia thing. So uh, I thought that was like a fun little novel twist on the story. So that that happened like a dozen or so times over the course of the, the play.
0: Wow, yeah. that's neat. And does that, uh, when you're doing something like that, uh, I mean, every kind of writing is and, and every, every kind of performance and acting, you're... You, you it's you you're bringing yourself to the character the, the pieces of you truthful pieces of you but for that it's very specific did you kind of find revelations in your own life as you're putting this stuff down like as you go oh, i didn't think i thought of it that way but actually i do think of it that way or that, like did you s- discover hmm. things about yourself and your life doing that hmm. or was it's it just inter- sort of uh entertainment yeah
1: well, I will say that writing that thing came on the heels of a couple of years of therapy for me that came <laughs> after was, I had also a really kind of hard relationship for a couple of years and a tumultuous breakup. so mm-hmm. and I needed therapy to kind of like be the connective tissue to like finding some sort of stasis in my sanity right, there. right. And basically, after therapy, after this relationship had finally sunsetted, I wrote this show, and I think. Kind of the show was in many ways maybe me resolving a lot of things that I'd worked on in therapy for a couple of years. <laughs> I mean, it's so like, bleh, it was just this actor-writer who's talking about his therapy <laughs> session. But you know what I mean? It's yeah. all kind of cliche, but whatever. It's the
0: truth for me. And the truth and is... What the- I did learn... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. What-, what I did learn
1: was more about performance. And what I learned was that being in a solo show, I was worried that it would be so with all eyes on you and you're the only one there for an hour that it would feel like this is like, real pressure cooker to kind of stay interesting at mm. every moment. And in the beginning, it maybe felt that way. But what I realized actually in a solo show was that, oh, I could really like, I could breathe more and I had a lot more freedom as a performer than I ever thought, you mm. know? Even though I was maybe more under the microscope, I actually felt more relaxed in a solo show than I had in many other ways, that's you interesting. Know?
0: That's interesting. Why do you yeah. think that is? What do you think that's about? Probably because... The
1: rhythms are yours. They're not as dependent on other actors, right. frankly. Right. So maybe it's just more technical. But it was a surprise to me. And I think know?
0: what we forget too, and it's really, really exe- I was exemplified there, is sometimes we forget that they're there f- to see us. They, they, they to You know, it's like, right. It's like you don't have to. You know, they, they want you to do well. You know. <laughs> yeah. Not everyone
1: there feels the same way about you as you do you know (laughs) they actually want you to do well and they trust you even though you as the sort of you know self-doubting performer don't trust you in fact the audience is far more forgiving of you than than you are of yourself and they're
0: expecting whatever they see as Probably, that's probably the way it's supposed to be, right? I, I guess oh, that's yeah, the show, so...
1: Yeah. Right, yeah, that's how it unfolded, so I guess that was the plan.
0: All right, so uh, let's get back to the acting part of it. So in Pounding the Pavement, becoming a theater rat, doing shows, yeah. um, do you sort of just get into that circle? Did you eventually... I mean, are you doing, like, off-Broadway stuff? Is the guest spot television stuff coming in at this point? Like, yeah. is this how yeah. the career kind of fills out?
1: Yeah, kind of, um... Yeah, I did go on from doing... Yeah, basically, like sort of up this off Broadway ladder of like a lot of like independent companies, like the Civilians or um, Waterwell Theater Company, and uh, to slowly getting uh, like the big kind of like major, one of the leading like I got a show at the Roundabout, um, cool. like maybe ten years ago. The Roundabout kind of uh, underground, they're like off Broadway, but one of their off Broadway spaces with like some serious like top tier talent, like Reed Bernie and, and a few other uh, folks. Uh, and then that kind of broke the seal for um then i did a show at um uh the vineyard theater like in a in a leading role called this play called outside people mm-hmm. and um that second stage theater so i and then i did a Nikki silver play at the vineyard later which was like a dream of mine to work on one of his plays um so it was it was so suddenly i was kind of in this like Gang of off broad fairly consistent off-broadway. All right. So I'm
0: going to stop you right there. Let's let's yeah. let's explain to folks now what that what the craft and the and the uh, The the nuts and bolts of the actor's life is in that world. What what kind of sure. what's your week like you, you get in a show yeah. you're casting a show Rehearsals are going right. to start uh, right. Monday or whatever. What does that entail?
1: Yeah, sure Yeah, so you're uh so you're casting a show Several weeks later is your first day of rehearsal. Uh, you do the table read. You're basically in rehearsal period at this level, three and a half weeks, I okay. feel like.
0: All right.
1: Three and a half to four and a half weeks would be for all of these shows. And these are, you know, this is kind of b- before like a kind of a Broadway commercial run, like this is kind of, you know, sort of the ultimate kind of stop for a lot of like great, you know, New York uh, playwrights mm-hmm. and, and where their work, their best work is showcased, you know? So, you're there at the first table read, you spend a few days at the table kind of sussing out actor motiv- character motivations, um, what the playwright is after. Oftentimes, I feel like 100% of the time actually, I've always worked on new plays,
0: mm.
1: not revivals of things and and often not Shakespeare or classics. Right.
0: So the playwright is is involved yes. a lot at a deeper level. A yeah. In my in my
1: level and all the work I've done, the playwright is nearly always there and present. So that was great. Like, that's the kind of, it's sort of like the final piece of collaboration that I think a lot of times is, is tough when you're like just doing a Shakespeare play mm. or um, some old Arthur Miller chestnut, you mm. know? I think it's, uh, it's an advantage to have the writer there. So the first week's at the table, generally, then you start getting on your feet with the script in hand. Basically, you get one day off a week, um and, and what's
0: was- and what's a rehearsal day like is it like a a, a working yeah. day for the layman out there they there's it's like nine to five or- it
1: is it kind of is a little shorter i'd say like it's about uh six six hours with a little lunch break in the in the, in the middle of it about a half hour for some lunch mm. and if you have a big part or if you're like the guy or the gal in the show you're there all the time um but oftentimes if you're in sporting role You'll be there about you know half the time, mm. but generally yes, it is for 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 the purposes of understanding it for the layman out there. For about a month, you're doing a nine to five job, wow. with one day off a week. Right. You know, um, then you get into the sort of tech week, and then tech week is basically when the actors and the whole team basically finally moves into the theater proper. Yeah. So you're basically rehearsing in a studio for these three weeks. The final week, you're back inside the theater where it's all gonna go under the lights, uh, be involved and meshed with sound and figure out where you're gonna walk when and <laughs> like the problem solving of props, right. the real like nitty gritty of the show. Right. So that takes a lot of time to iron out. So you're then you're in tech week and so those days are quite long. So for about a week, you're doing 12 hour days, uh, typically like 10 to 10 or 11, to 11. Wow. Yeah, um, and that's about a week culminating, and that's where you're pretty fried, because you're also, because then you get into this period where you're teching, teching, i mean, meaning just the sort of the lighting and the sound of the show during the day, and then you get into previews, where you're finally now getting a paying audience show up, you mm-hmm. know? Right. So, for about a week, or a week to two weeks, depending on how much you got to work out, you're rehearsing by day under the lights at the theater, and then you're getting a little break for dinner and then you're doing the show at night So wow. two and a half hours wow. so at that point you're in this kind of real real grind i mean tech week previews is when you know it's really hard to pin an uh an actor down if you want like get lunch or <laughs> right you're, you're dating at that point like you're kind of dead for right. you're in a dead zone for a few weeks yeah
0: uh, and during a tech week when you're doing when you're doing these 12 hour days in a tech week i mean is there any is it is it? Are you always kind of up on your feet as an actor, or are there, or any just kind of? Do they ever just do like cue to cue? Let's just you know run sort of the cues of this thing, and we don't have to do the whole fucking show every time. Or what? Yeah, of
1: course, yeah. of course, yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, like if it's we just really need to figure out this lighting transition and how do we move this tabletop to the other side of the stage. It's like right. we're just gonna work on the cue. Right, right, right. And oftentimes in the shows I was doing. There's some stage crew, but the sort of mode of the last 10 years or 15, 20 years is that the actors, you do your thing, it lights down, and then the actor's picking up the (laughs) flower pot, moving it off stage as they then wheel on the bar, you know, so... There's
0: a but bit of a dance. That's where rehearsed. the training of, uh, of uh, children's theater uh, out in yeah. uh, in the South yeah, exactly. comes in handy. You can, yeah, that's you, where you that shows up. Uh, and, all right, so this is interesting, because so, we're going to get into some of your television and film work, um, which is a whole different sort of process, I mean, yeah. as far as what the actor does with the writer. But in, in the theater... This is especially at that level with new plays and and new playwright uh, playwrights with new works. Is it a real collaborative thing? I mean, is everybody? I'm, I assume every project's different, but is it everybody kind of contributing to the the story of it? Is the playwright working things out? Is he kind of or she building things around? Like, how does that collaboration work on that?
1: Oh yeah, um, absolutely. I think it's everyone is still very much uh figuring it out as we go i mean in the course of tech week uh, rehearsals tech week through previews the playwright themselves is still figuring out how best to optimize a scene or an act so i have some actors don't like it but i love like coming in and there's like new pages to work on for that night's performance mm-hmm. you know um
0: why why do you like that It just
1: keeps me on my toes. I I like, I've also had some uh, history doing a lot of improv comedy. So I kind of like freshness.
0: Mm.
1: You know, a long theater run can frankly get, you know, it can can bore me. I don't know if it does everybody. But for me, after a month or so, I feel like I'm ready to move on. Mm -hmm. So I, I like when there's something new to work on. And I like the feeling of like the playwright being on their toes when that moment comes in the, in the show to see if it's like working and how you can finesse it. Um, like, I, I love that. I love, you do know, rolling you, with do the you changes.
0: have uh do you have any memories or moments, specific theater moments where you're like, man, that fucking worked. Oh, that I, we got it. Or the audience responded to a, a something that you did or, or happened in a scene that you were in where it was like, Truth.
1: Yeah, yeah, Truth. I do remember. Yeah, there was a play. Um, this one we did a roundabout called "Dream of the Burning Boy," written by uh, uh, David Reed, who's now gone on to write for Shit's Creek. And oh, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, wonderful, wonderful playwright. And there was it was it was um, at the very end of the scene. Uh, it's it's a, it's a, it's a real but sort of a tragic play about a teacher who's who's lost his son uh wait what am I oh I'm sorry I'm getting it wrong actually but, but basically there there's there's, there's be, yeah there is there's a loss of a son in the in the thing and this there's a teacher sort of an elder statesman teacher and I'm his guidance counselor who's just sort of trying to help him out but they worked out this moment the final moment of the play is always like kind of the trickiest one but there was a final moment where he, was explaining this dream he had and it had always been delivered like kind of internally and then the lights would go out Mm. but we kind of worked on it and worked on it where he would deliver this monologue and then there was a final gesture that he did where he would look at me who's now this kind of surrogate son who's entered his life Mm. so before the lights would go out there was like this eye contact that happened between us where i think maybe he's realizing like oh well there's there is this other young man right before my very eyes who's been trying to get in to my heart this whole period of the play. Mm -hmm. So there was a real, it felt, there was one of those electrical moments where the actor was Reed Burney, who's wonderful and become a friend since. And uh, yeah, he just sort of like laid my eyes on me the lights went out, and we knew that we captured it, right. and that's how it stayed for the rest of the the process right. uh, and the and the run that's of the show. Ma- so. It's
0: magic when stuff like that happens, and and you it's know awesome. you know not it's not just self indulgent for uh, us actors, but you know they got it out there, you know they yeah you know yeah. they felt it you know that you can feel a visceral kind of thing. That's the thing about live theater that I hope people return to, and people who haven't uh. experienced it who are just looking at things through screens like this. It's like, there's nothing yeah. like that, you know? And
1: this was a small, like, you know, I don't even know, 75 seat theater. So it was, the performances could be like intimate and, and nuanced and really uh, specific and realistic. So those kind of gestures like that would read in a smaller room, right. you know? Right. I love Broadway. I, I, I like wish the best... I hope they find a way to make to make it all work I really miss though um I really miss like 200 people in a room just yes. watching a smaller like play though that's I, my favorite yeah. stuff
0: is the is you yeah. know 140 seat little yeah you know half circle you know yeah oh, I love those kind of theaters yeah you know? yeah yeah so um so at, at what so during you're doing all this theater are you at the same time doing the the television stuff is that sort of creeping into the career and and what is that experience like were you doing um uh like under five stuff first and then you'd get guest spot kind of things like how did that evolve for you and what was your experience there
1: from the outset my agent uh the one i met after working in the civilians play uh would send me out from time to time for tv stuff we'd have pretty good auditions the first one i ever got was like a yeah like a two-line role on like a law and order you know, I was it's, like a camera man. It's, like, uh,
0: it's the rite of passage. Remember the rite of passage? It's the
1: rite of it's passage. It's like my first <laughs> thank, television thank job. Thank God you know? for Law and like, Order. <laughs> of course it was Law and Order. Yeah, it's kind of, it's perfect. I'm realizing the more we talk, I'm like, oh, I'm such a cliche at every, like. The,
0: it doesn't really sorry. matter because I think that was the first thing I ever did was a law, sure. uh, extra on Law and Order back when it was uh, yeah. uh, uh chris Noth and paul servino are one of them i mean that was way back yeah wow yeah a
1: long time yeah yeah we um so that was great um yeah and then and then i did a play off broadway but that was all kind of it was basically i can't say it was much more than that for a few years Mm -hmm. like um frankly I think that was it for a few years, TV-wise, you know? Because the other thing was, like, I was was often always in a play or out of town, Mm. and so you're kind of booked out. Mm. And this is before the era where everybody sent self-tapes. Right. Before you were in a regional theater gig and you had to send a tape for some movie six months later. Like, if you weren't in town, you weren't auditioning. So Mm. I was out of town a lot, or I was in a play, and I had a theater out, meaning, like, I had to make a theater curtain at 7 p.m. every night, so nobody in a New York... (laughs) cop blue bloods or cop show or law show wants to put you because when they have you for the day they own you and like you're getting paid enough so that they can like own you so they don't want to have to adhere to some guy with a small part to go to his little play right so i just kind of booked out uh, a lot of times you know right then i did a play called telephone at the cherry lane theater which got some notice that's when i finally got hitched up with a manager Mm. um with my management company and they were, uh, they kind of really started busting the doors down for TV. They had a lot more clients working in right. TV. And now comedy. just as a,
0: as a tangential yeah. here, wh- explain the difference between yeah. like an, like an agent and a manager. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the actors have a lot of different people that help them mm-hmm. publicists later on and all that stuff. But what do those two things do? What are the manager?
1: Yeah. Uh, just a manager just to be general is a little, little more hands on, uh, at the beginning they'll take a little more of your money and they <laughs> but they have they have basically a, a smaller client list mm. because oftentimes a good agency they've got hundreds of clients at any time that they're trying to, to either submit for projects or s- service while they're at mm. work or it's just it's just a big company right management right. companies can be you know several dozen clients long as far right. as their like lists you know so there's just a little more it's just really just uh, Kind of the same purposes, there, but they're just sort of an extra bit of firepower and on do your they, team.
0: Do they work in in tandem? Like, do they communicate with each yeah. other? And yeah,
1: now I'm um, now with my current agency and my manager, they work really well in tandem. Uh, okay. That's not always the case, but um your manager is kind of like your, like you know, when Rocky goes to the corner of the ring, like they're the <laughs> ones, you know, pouring the, the the cold sponge down your head. You know, and your agents like in the first row, you're like, come
0: yeah. on. <laughs> that's such a great that's so perfect go for it
1: but not getting dirty as much i guess but <laughs> i don't that's a strange metaphor
0: but it's not kinda, super wrong. i kind of like that that's works
1: i think i think agencies used to i think like when you got a great agent like say 30 40 years ago it was different and sure. the managers weren't as much of a thing right. So you did have a great agent and they were your your corner man but they were corner woman right. but but over time these these companies grow the lists get longer you need someone else to kind of join in take a little cut of your money to like
0: push you through so so you you get that management and
1: yeah and that's when like things kind of like ramped up in the tv world that being said like i I still was generally getting like Mm. co-stars roles which would mean for the layperson out there um you know more of a functional character more of like the like i played like the manager at like one of the main person's restaurant where they worked you know so i had a couple of scenes where i'm like you were late oh, watch it you know that kind of thing <laughs> right so it's like you're there and you maybe you get a couple scenes but you're you sort of you blink not like you blink and you miss them but they're they're not integral to this real right. story you right. know? Um, but but, they serve but,
0: but you're a ah. series regular on whatever that is you're 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 in there somewhere you're right but
1: you're in there yeah, yeah 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 but you're in there somewhere you're on the show
0: right but i i'll be frank
1: because i here's the thing where my manager was getting me a lot of appointments uh was great i don't feel like i felt confident in my abilities as an actor but i did not i don't think i crossed through till really maybe like 8 years later to where my on camera auditioning was on the level with the auditions I was getting. Hmm. I think I was a good actor who had a good, a great re- uh, manager, and I would get really great auditions. But as good an actor as I felt like I was, auditioning for uh, television and film is just. I learned that it's it's very specific and different than.
0: Okay, you know, all right. So let's yeah. get into the crafty here. Let's. Yeah, yeah. What is, was that? That. What did you learn, and what turned the 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 switch? Yeah,
1: I felt like. But yeah, there'd be a couple of jobs that came through here and there. You know, certainly commercials have always been kind of occasionally things would crack through on the TV and film side, but always like on the smaller role level. And then what happened really is uh, my buddy and I co-wrote a, a movie ourselves and um, just sort of like micro budget, fly by night, shot it in a week, road movie. Right. But what happened was I was watching at the end of the day, we would watch the dailies on our laptop at right. night and I was watching myself on camera acting in a film every night, you know? Right, right. So I, I realized the scale of things I had to do to make it what worked. Like what, why does this very, why does this take work of our scene? Right. But take three was just kind of whack. Was I just like hammering the joke or, is my, just sort of the angle I'm looking, or is my point of focus a little off? Right. So that, it's, it's, it's so silly, but it's true that once I, once we've shot this movie, this kind of guerrilla's movie after a week, and I saw myself on the edit and everything, the dailies, the dailies, by the way, for the Lapers now, there's like at the end of every day, you kind of review all the footage,
0: sure.
1: all the raw footage that you've collected over the course of, of the day. So, I think within, like within a month of returning from that shoot, I got like a couple episodes on Person of Interest. I got like a big national international commercial. I was suddenly like started like the temperature cooked up a little bit on my uh, my TV work.
0: Right. So it was it was looking learned. looking at yourself yeah. in that frame and going okay, all right. I yeah. see I see what we're gonna do here. You know, yes. the scale is this size. The the you know the eye line is here that you you start to see that there's a totally different technique than stage acting and stuff like that okay cool it
1: is it is yeah and that uh was a lesson that was long to learn for me you know Mm. um and frankly i i'm I'm jumping a bit but i think um it's worth hearing that now with self-tapes being such a a reality for people i kind of uh, I feel like maybe maybe a year or two ahead of it, I had kind of wanted to soup up my self-tape game because I felt like there were more and more trickling in mm. before if the pandemic shut down everything, right. and it was the rule. Like, I got a blue screen, a ring light, and, you know, mm. a little mic, um, and just, frankly, practiced more. And, like, I, I would have in-person auditions in the city, in, like, Midtown, but, like, that morning, I would make sure that I did, like, three takes for myself using mm. like a recorded voice for the other lines I would like insist that like I get three takes in the kind of audition setting uh, you know with the light on me with a mic I would like feel like okay well I did it I did like I did this audition performance already this morning and now when I go into the office at of 38th street or whatever I'll it's a little inside me now
0: yeah hey man it's, uh, it's it's batting practice dude
1: it's batting practice <laughs> yeah you know but it's like back in the day I was like why would I just like I would just run lines incessantly but I wouldn't run them correctly like I wouldn't run them on camera as much and like really just watch myself on tape and that's what every casting director tells you now like tape yourself tape yourself tape yourself it's like can't be just enough because once I really did a lot that's when I started working a lot well let's talk let's talk
0: about before we get into some of the little fun uh, stuff that you're doing on television now but let's talk about taping yourself because Mm -hmm. um I can identify with this as well. Now you you wrote um, a, a, f- a couple of things, couple of things that were full series that mm-hmm. you were in, and uh, yeah. and Mackenzie was in, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Adult Ed was that one? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So talk about that. Was it, was it your goal at, in doing those things to create a television series mm-hmm. and get it on wherever Netflix, Amazon, wherever, yeah. w- w- and how, what's that process like? And then putting yourself in it. Mm-hmm. What's that so about? that
1: process was very much, uh, kind of what you're indicating. It was, it was, I'd written a few like pilots, uh, in the last 10 years that, uh, I would pass along and didn't really ever really get much traction, you know um so i was like well what if i just you know make a spec pilot but like shoot the thing like shoot the pilot you know
0: right
1: so adult ed came out of was inspired by this sort of side job i've had for years i've always i've been a tutor like an sat and especially okay. uh, <laughs> high school test tutor and subject tutor for like junior high kids yeah so i've done that for a very long time uh it's always been a good like side job and um I just, but it's it's one of these like cool side jobs because I really liked it, and you'd always you just meet so many interesting characters. Like these, you get to go inside random people's apartments and see how they live, right. while you like teach their child how to to do a fraction. So mm-hmm. it was, um, so basically, what my, my intention was, I wrote like a a thirty page pilot, you know, single cam comedy style, and I set out to just film it and f- use my. Um, my, my producing partner, Sean Lewis, who we made the feature film These Hopeless Savages mm-hmm. with, we we set out to just make it. So we basically found every favor we could. Um, we, um, All right, and so we, let, me,
0: let me stop you there. Let's get into yeah. the actual two two things. One, yeah. um, 30 episode, is it 30 page? What'd you say? 30 page. 30 yeah. page pilot. How long uh, does it yeah. take? How long did it take you to write a 30 page pilot? That one, you know, the funny thing about this is that
1: it didn't take me very long. I feel like it took me about a month or so because it was so – I had a very simple structure. I'm like, I want in this 30-page pilot, I want Ed to tutor three different students. Mm. And through those three students, you see how – this their dynamic is like kind of informing how he's going to feel when he's a father himself
0: okay. it's basically
1: about a tutor who's about to become a father right. with his expectant wife and he's like he sort of goes out on his own to tutor in the meantime because he kind of lost his job as a public school teacher because his rage got the best of him <laughs> <laughs> it's the sort of the short of it right yeah and um so i had a really simple structure for it i also had like very like Good experiences to pull from that felt honest and funny and true to me.
0: Right. So when you're writing, your particular, do you get up in the morning? Do you make it like a job for yourself? Do you Mm -hmm. do it whenever? Is it middle of the night? How do you write? And what do you? Is it final draft? Is it? What are you doing?
1: Yeah. Great. Well, before I had a kid and after I had a kid. Before I had a kid, I would wake (laughs) up, wake up an hour and a half before my wife, brew a pot of coffee, and write in the morning. It was like my thing yeah so like uh you know 6 30 to 8 wow coffee and 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 writing since i've had a kid it's whenever possible although i have found i have found a kind of rhythm now that he's in school thankfully you know we uh there's like a kind of good two hours in the middle of the day that i like i've never been a night by night i'm fried and uh mm-hmm. I just want to kind of entertain myself. I don't want to create anything.
0: I feel like I agree with that completely.
1: (laughs) I want to want to wind down. So night nighttime is the reward. I want to feel like I've earned it by working during the day. You know. So what I like to write in is is a software program called Fade In.
0: Okay.
1: It's a um. I heard about it through this uh, podcast called Script Notes, which is um about screenwriting and like things that are interesting for screenwriters. Mm. Um. And they recommended it. I think one of the writers on it uh, uses it. And I was like, oh, I wonder what this is. And it was really seamless. Mm. Basically, so this kind of software... So it doesn't look like... Because a screenplay looks very different than a play, which looks different than prose in a novel. Um, So this obviously helps you adhere to the kind of proper screenplay format
0: right yeah all these all these final draft and screen hollywood screenwriter and and that they they all they all format the thing for you so because as you said things are tabbed in differently look a screenplay looks different that physically visually looks different and is laid out differently um so okay all right so um and the second half of that is this is when when was this done the uh when you did this the first
1: the first like bit of adult ed was done um five years ago as all my right. wife was very pregnant with my son yeah
0: <laughs> all right so at that point by that point you know technology has since changed over so the price point of the you know high definition 4k cameras and all that stuff had, had come down and you could you could shoot something
1: yeah exactly
0: Look like a cinema quality piece of work so is that kind of what you did you guys got your own stuff or rent out equipment or what
1: yeah for that first one i i had met i did like another web series with someone some friends of mine and i met the guy the dp on that the Mm -hmm. director of photography who is essentially the you know the kind of visual guide of the whole piece generally and at this level he's usually holding the camera too right so i think for that one he, um, I think we actually got. I, don't, I forget exactly, but basically we either rented a camera and lenses from this place in um, Mid Adorama, this camera mm-hmm. shop in right. Midtown, or uh, so. Basically, that's that was the story. I hired him for like very little money, sort of right. a favor kind of situation. I think it was like for the weekend for like a good camera and lenses, a couple hundred bucks. Right. So you know.
0: So this is the lesson. Money. This is the lesson <laughs> for artists in the world that we're in now and and, uh, is if you want to do it you can do it you know you can can write produce and 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 do some quality stuff and get it out there and and there's a vehicle to get it out there so what do you do with that pilot once you've written it shot it it's cut it's cleaned up it's ready to go where what did you do with it
1: so then i have basically that 30 pages is now basically like a 23 minute kind of um you know premise or a pilot that uh I think would elevate my like written pilot above something, you know, why, why give somebody something to read if they can like see the show, you know? Exactly. So my manager, uh, really loved it. Um, there was also like a Campbell Scott was in it. Uh,
0: that's That's very cool. cool cool. How did, did, how did you approach? Did you, did somebody know him or how did, how did you, it was
1: a relationship. Yeah. My, my wife and his wife had done a play in Boston. Okay. Uh, several years ago or no actually first in dc about a dozen years ago and then uh through that we became sort of our friends Mm -hmm. uh families became kind of friends you know so it was but i had been waiting to like ask the favor (laughs) you don't want to be that guy like within a week be like so you know (laughs) so i was very careful about when i asked the favor because i grew up being a huge fan of them so yes we were able to pull some name talent my manager was really excited about it and then it, find it found its way to a producer, an independent producer in Los Angeles, who was excited about it, and you know felt like there was some activity. They drew up a list of places they were going to send it to, and then you know no one really, <laughs> right. no one bit is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> how it went. So I, you know, took the blow, and then I realized, well, if we cut this up into like three different parts, this twenty-five minute thing, we'll have like a little bit of a, like a small web series, sure. you know. So that's what we did. That was season one, and. We got that out there. We filmed three episodes independently for season two. Um, And the grand total of all of this, like expense wise, of like six episodes of this show, uh, just for everyone to hear, was I think under $4,000, right? (laughs) Right. Okay, so that's six episodes, you know, and that's paying everyone something. Right. every actor got like the minimum, uh, you know, sort of expected sack, like rate. Um, there was a lot of favors with like the DPs and sound, but everyone got paid something. And like, I just, I, so it's, 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 it's very doable, you know? Let me Uh, ask you this
0: question because a lot of people are, do that uh, and are trying to do those same things. What was your idea on when you put it out there? Where were you going to put it? How were you going to drive traffic to like, what was, was that part of your thought process?
1: Yeah. And that was a tricky thing, you know, because, so this is two parts, you know, just kind of obviously like, yes, there's YouTube, there's Vimeo, those exist and social media exists to then like signal boost those kinds of things, you know, but in the process I realized, I was like, well, it's still tough without like some kind of like stamp or like some big person kind of amplifying it or a network or whatever. So we applied to some film festivals in the meantime and some miracle came through where we got into the Tribeca Film Festival uh, two years ago. Oh. So because basically a lot more film festivals of that stature are now programming uh, digital series, web series, you know? Okay. Because they realize this is there's a burgeoning market. There's a lot of filmmakers. This is the way they can get their work out there. So they're now showcasing mm. what they feel is the best of it. So we were able to be programmed a couple years ago in that, which really did help amplify... Um, the audience for for yeah. adult ed when we finally released it
0: I mean that's the, that's the big thing because it's it, like I like we said it's the price point and the and the and the technology if you have the craft if you have the skill is if you marry those two it's anybody can do it now you can get out there and do it but who's, yeah. gonna, who's gonna see it and how do they know it's there you know that that is so... The
1: toughest part, and I, even after this great film festival, you know it's it's amazing, but it's not like. And now you have distribution to Netflix. You know it's no, it's they are a film festival. They will showcase your work and fet you and right. you know, boost your you know authorship as much as they can. But you know you still have to kind of then figure out how to get it to people.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I ha- I think I have Stop. four or five cult sort of B you know movies on Amazon Prime right now. Nobody yeah, knows, nobody sure. knows they're there. you know they're there but you know nobody knows they're there so that's the trick yeah so that's the trick so that is the that
1: is that is the elusive trick that i'm still trying to figure out honestly so
0: are you are you still doing that are you still um
1: what's the next
0: what's the next sort of phase of that kind of producing writing Mm -hmm. thing
1: yeah so we're we're actively in pre-production right now we're going to film the third season starting in a week and a half of adult ed so that's underway um dates are set locations are mostly set cast so that's a mini announcement right. i guess very cool very yeah cool. it's exciting so that's so that'll be another another creative outfit i, I just love it I, I feel like for my whole life i want to keep making like those episodes because it, it's you know i'm not gonna be it. it's very much a kind of like loose Memoir-inspired version of like um, a comedy. I would want to make so it's very mm-hmm. much like about my internal struggles and and, and obstacles right now. And, and so you,
0: and you don't wear a tweed jacket in this one. I and see. I don't
1: wear a tweed <laughs> jacket. No, I don't play character. I let the other the other actors play right. characters. So I feel like I always want that project to be because it's affordable to make. Right. It's it's fun. It's light. It's with my family basically playing a part. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of always want that to be a touchstone in my creative work. Right. In the meantime, you know, um, uh, my buddy and I co-wrote a kind of relationship drama screenplay. We're trying to get together to write, make our next feature, you know, so that's, that's the big swing. And now mm. with the, the fact that we've got some work under our belts, now taking the next swing, it's like, well, do we just make a kind of a gorilla thing again for like no money or do we try to like get a little more heavy hitter talent attached? Right, right. Um, or do we, yeah, but it's, it's, I struggle with this every day. I'm like, oh, we should just do it ragtag, throw it together. And then we're like, no, we should spend more time to like get it just right. But if we spend more time, then we're not going to make the thing. It yeah. isn't the whole weirdness to, to make something. That
0: know? is it, man. I, I am in the exact same space no, I mean. all the time. It's like, because we've done those, you know, we, we've, we've, yeah. it's like, I don't want to, do I have to carry all the shit in my car again? I mean, right. Yeah. No, gonna, I know. Are we going to do this again? I mean, but if we don't, we're not going to do know. it so uh so it's interesting always trying to find I- that money find that find that financial fiscal sponsor get a tax credit you yeah. know try i mean it's it's crazy it's nuts
1: yeah but you. yeah but, that i live in that space yeah
0: but that's good though so you what's the are you so you're still in the sort of the writing phase of the feature or you have uh, or or what
1: it's written and we we basically had a plan for production, but my wife and I are moving in a couple months and it's kind of it was gonna jump up when our move in date was gonna happen. It was just kind of right. we had to push it for a couple months. All so right. we're in the pre well, the early pre production stages like gets a name talent attached. All
0: yeah. right. So let's let's you mentioned her twice. You mentioned the family uh being part yeah. of the these yeah. projects, uh and that that's sort of a touchstone yeah. you want to go. Um what's that like? Because two actors living together and working actors she's uh currently got that uh uh, recurring character on bull you're you you have a a character on that show as well right yeah she well she's a regular regular. on
1: Bull. she's been on since uh season three and i'm yeah and i i uh i'll be coming back for my second episode uh it'll air in a couple weeks yeah so it seems like i'm now a
0: recurring did i I, I I are you playing her love interest or something no or my yeah
1: wife. well they um basically I'm um, her ex-husband so there's a um there's a kind of maybe there could be potential for like uh some some future drama between them down the line is what I'll say yeah
0: <laughs> so what is that like yeah when uh when the wife is is working on something and you're working on something and you got the kid and the, I mean how do you do all that stuff at home because like, yeah. you actors, like, actors have to Horrible. do homework
1: yes it's our it's our it's our um albatross that is our struggle we feel very very lucky as a couple so fortunate to be both um working actors at this at this age and level in our careers and still doing it and i'm so thankful but uh we just have one child but um yeah the uh the Rubik's Cube of logistics as far as planning a week or last-minute childcare or ever trying to get a real vacation in is mm. – it sucks. It's it's really hard. We're not close to family now either, so we're always trying to figure out – we have a good, like, cut of couple of, like, good sitters who can come through in a pinch. But, frankly, it's been very hard the last year because of the pandemic and people are still uh, antsy as far as, right. like – how intimate they want to be with kids and uh you know on the sort of watcher level but it's it's a struggle yeah
0: logistically it's a struggle but artistically it must be satisfying because you can kind of bounce things off each other i would think when we're both working
1: on something whether it's like she's i mean we're always putting each other on tape i feel like very lucky to have someone who's uh so talented and willing and supportive in that regard so i think a lot of people aren't so lucky so um but as far as the collaboration with, like, the stuff we've made, like, she's been in one of my movies, and now she's been in Adult Ed. She's also in another web series I did. So Mackenzie's um, – she's amazing. She's, she's you know, she's always been a cheerleader of mine and kind of, like, endorsing every impulse I have. Like, you think this might be a good idea or is this just dumb? She's like, no, 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 you should follow that thought and, like, push it through. So she's always been – um and that's how she is as a collaborator on screen right. and she always she's very like doesn't want to do something that doesn't feel true or it feels too ham-handed so like she's she's a good um barometer of truth like if i feel like she knows if something feels off like i can um i can like ask her for it she's also essentially our kind of production die designer like she's like fantastic as far as setting up the look for everything and making it look a little bit better than just a two shot of people in their apartment. You know, she's, <laughs> right. she's got a good eye for that kind of thing. And she'll actually be directing one of the episodes this season. So, um, yeah, it's great. It's great. I mean, I feel really, really lucky to have someone such an active kind of creative person. Yeah. You know, that's... I think I, I've heard of stories of it's really being hard with two actors, but um, I don't know, for us, it's always been a level of compassion and understanding there for each other.
0: Right. You yeah. know, no, it's, I think- uh, it, it depends on it depends on which two actors, because right. I've, I've yeah. been I've been in that situation in two yeah. couple of different versions of it. And yeah, one time it's super fantastic. And one time it's not so super fantastic. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you need yeah. that. You need that. Uh, um, there's a courage and a willingness to be to like understand what you're all bearing for yeah. each other you know and it's like yeah. th- you can't take things personally a lot of times it's, it's part, yeah. part of what we do is we're kind of putting ourselves out there and you, jealousy can't be part of it those things have to be put away so you know
1: yeah 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 or at least if they're there then they're spoken about and communicated with like she's a great communicator like she's too like almost too much like I, I I feel like you know it's the struggle like maybe it's a male female struggle of like I'm willing to just move on but like she really needs to unpack <laughs> right. how this is all going and why was that moment weird between us but right. at the end we're better for it like having had had it out you know
0: right right right
1: not really like fighting but per se but yeah, just, just like working,
0: kind of, it out, working, working it out working it out so uh so last little television thing what was the other, didn't you just do was it last year and are they doing it again the the Edie falco uh uh show the Tommy yeah, yeah. are they bringing that last back year. or
1: they uh no it was canceled after uh it was called tommy Tommy, uh, right yeah and had a good little run in that um playing a journalist who's sort of sniffing around uh, some corruption who ultimately meets a very bad fate so i was i die at the end of the season one sweet spoiler alert but um then i was like oh man if the show comes back and i just i could have been like back on it but the show was canceled ultimately. So, um, so let, let's,
0: really- uh, let's talk about before we f- wrap up here, let's talk about yeah. the, cause we talked about the theater uh, working day. What's it like when you're doing television when, you know, what does that look like for an actor and how do you kind of prepare to get to do it? And it's a lot of waiting and then going and stopping and yeah. then starting. So talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's It's so exciting that it can be hard to focus, I feel like. I still get really excited by walking onto a set and there's like 10 trucks and, you know, craft services and whatever. Um, The pandemic is a little different, but it's still kind of the same thing, you know? And You're being treated like a prince. You're going to (laughs) hair and makeup and people bring you bacon, you know, if you want it. So it's a little...
0: (laughs) So bring me, bring me some more bacon, please. Yeah,
1: so it's so kind of indulgent and exciting that you have to really carve out time to actually remember what you're doing. Mm. And that uh, hopefully is time in your trailer or dressing room. So... Um, yeah, but you can be called usually at the break of dawn. Like a typical day is like you're there at six AM, you know? Mm-hmm. And and those are mornings for me personally that can be stressful because sometimes if we're both working, someone else, like a, a sitter, will wake up with my son and like we right. won't be there in the morning. And that's like that's that's been a tricky thing. Sure. So I'm on set and I'm like checking my phone in the in the you know, dressing room making sure he got to school okay and like didn't cry too much and... but then finally once not on I you're doing it um uh yeah typically like you'll say you're in like a few page scene with someone you'll go with your, your your wide shot and like now i've like finally like learned the process of this and then like they'll get the angles for this actress face this actress face and then go even closer on the opposite faces and and then unless like there's some rookie director who wants to put some really fancy shots in there a lot of the shows i've done are on these procedurals where sure. they sort of have it pretty dialed in this right, sort right. of the standard template for
0: and you know. for the actor doing the actual job of acting as opposed to acting in the theater it's sort of um everything's out of cont- uh, uh, continuity so it's sort of you have to quickly um uh, access the things that you need to do after waiting for six hours to go do it while they set things up or whatever yeah so how do you approach that did you is that something you had to learn along the way coming from the theater or did you know that from your training
1: yeah, I think it's something you learn from theater, and that really, that's about prep before the scene starts shooting, and like really, just whether it's emotional or just really for me, it's just like telling myself the things that have happened before this moment that's about to start. You know, because that that can help me like bridge the gap of logic between scenes. Like if I've got a few scenes, but we're not shooting them in order, right. before every take, before every. Close up and wide, like I have to. I have to tell myself and remind myself, like where am I coming from, and what that makes me feel like before they say action. You know, right? right. So prep is so crucial. It's crucial in theater, but in theater you can kind of jump. You can kind of, in some level, walk onto the stage, and once the actors get going, you can pretty sink into the reality and let other people take you there. Right. Right. with 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 film, it's like there's. You know 28 crew out there there's another actor who's kind of phoning it in because it's not their coverage right, right. so you have to generate more and you have to remember one thing frankly it's just more of a technical thing like that remind i learned is that eye contact um with the other actor and keeping your eyes up is right. is major i this is like a thing i learned maybe not a trick but um with theater, you can kind of get away with a lot of behavior and looking away when you talk because it's kind of more natural to talk to people um, when you kind of are not staring at them the whole time. Right, right. But I've learned, like with TV and film, when I, the actors I really like, their, their eye contact is pretty sure, almost like a psycho killer most of the time, yeah.
0: you know. You know, what I learned was, uh, yeah. was especially once, once we get into those mediums and close ups, it's like yeah. pick an eye, pick, mm. p- pick their downstage or their camera eye if it's your coverage because otherwise what we don't realize is when we're looking at somebody we're talking our eyes are shifting so in the close-up you'll see these so it's like if you're an actor just pick an eye pick a downstage eye and just yeah and and oh that's interesting i like that yeah because otherwise, you end up looking shifty. Sure, sure, yeah, I'll steal that. That's right, good. You got it. it my, I, I learned that early because it was like, why, why do I look like a beady eyed psychopath in this? Show? Right, yeah, because you're looking like a normal
1: person, right. but on camera, it doesn't it yeah. doesn't read as normal. It's interesting. Exactly.
0: All right, so this is so this is cool. You 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 exemplify the the classic working actor. You're doing it. You're you're living it. You you have a, a great partner who's doing it as we wrap up here and you're trained and I mean, you're, you're it, you're a craftsman. And, and, uh, what do you tell the, the, that aspiring actor? Uh, because like you said, I mean, I'll bet, I'll bet that part of why you love that tutoring is you're a teacher underneath Mm -hmm. all of this, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you tell those aspiring young students of it?
1: Yeah. To, um, to follow what feels scary i think you know really for me because like i'm going through it now on some level with planning this production again i know when we're on set and shooting and i'm gonna love it but right now it's all fear it's like this ring of fire i have to cross through my solo when i did the solo show it felt like that i'm like who the f do i think i am doing an hour alone on a stage with me doing silly faces on camera like i'm like the the doubt that creeps in is is normal. Mm-hmm. I would say that, but like following the fear is uh, is a tenet I learned at the, at the People's Improv Theater that I feel like is so strong. Like follow the thing that um, gets you kind of nervous and worried,
0: right.
1: <laughs> um, uh, and it's oftentimes like you're vibrating in that way because it's like what you need the next kind of part you got to go through. Like it really is like and really like there's no there's no growth without. Like hardship and like struggle and right, it's it's wow
0: you that's know. that's that's super on the money. I think it even applies to. I, I discovered that when when you're working on a script, and I know you have probably come across this too, where actors actors tend to, um, you know, they'll everything's going great, they they love their character, and then they go, but you know this one line, can we rewrite this? It just doesn't seem to work with. And it's like, that's probably the exact thing you need to get. Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, I think there yeah. you go. There's the truth right there. And it's the same applies in life as well.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. I love that.
0: That's awesome. Well, Matt, my friend, I really appreciate this. Uh, oh, it's pleasure, I, I have a tremendous respect for everything you're doing and, uh, and uh, envy all the, the work you get to do and uh, just keep, keep doing it, man. It's, you're, you're, Thanks, man. you're holding the flag for, for all of us out there. Keep, keep making these yeah. things, keep writing, keep producing, make that feature and, uh, and I'll follow along. It's just so awesome
1: awesome man i'll check out your movies too right, now i'm gonna okay, go prime. you
0: know they're they're fun i'm a psycho in most yeah. of them so it works out <laughs> but thanks again man i really appreciate it
1: oh pleasure Russ. take care man